0: KBTX yesterday that they're expecting tens of thousands of people to drive through the park uh, just across the Highway 6 over here over the next several weeks to, to walk, drive through, and see the lights. And people put up lights on their houses this time of the year. Some of you done that, right? You put Christmas lights on your houses. Uh, yeah, I did that last Saturday. It's the first time ever that I got a sunburn from putting lights uh, on. You know, welcome to Texas. So, but we just really seem to be enthralled by light. And so we're in this series of lessons called Christmas lights. And we're focusing on today, particularly Jesus as the light of the world. And Aggies, it's good to see all of you. Are you surviving finals? We're good. Kind of sort of. All right. I'm getting this. I'm getting some of this and some of this. All right. You look like you look smarter. All this cramming you're doing over these last few weeks. So it's great. All right. You guys about ready for a break? Couple more weeks, yeah? Awesome, very good. You parents excited about having your kids home for a couple of weeks? Yeah, it's a good time, right? It's a great time of the year. Oh, actually, got a few groans, uh, so that was in- intriguing. We're really glad you're, you're here this morning, and we are going to focus some time this morning on light. Jesus says the light of the world, and as you can probably tell by the sound of my voice, I'm a little stuffy this morning, I'm about 80%. I thought about wearing a sign that says unclean, but, uh, thought that might be misinterpreted, didn't want to yell that out. So if I don't shake your hand today or give you a hug, just know it's because I love you and I don't want to give you this wonderful respiratory thing that I got. Next Sunday, uh, a young man named Chris Field will be here. He's going to bring a message from us some of you will know Chris from his times here in AFC, and uh, he also is leader of a, an organization called Mercy Project. And so that'll be next Sunday morning, and we have our regular schedule next Sunday. Two weeks from today, one assembly, 1015 right here. That's the Sunday before Christmas. So we look forward to sharing that time with you that morning. Sarah Foster wants to give the entire church a hug. We had breakfast with Santa yesterday. She said there were about 400 people here, many of those in our community. They were here to bless and support Sunshine School. Here are her exact words. We could not have done it without the A&M Church of Christ. So thank you guys so much for showing up and supporting Sunshine School yesterday. Our children's Christmas musical is one week from this coming Wednesday night. Next Sunday morning, the beginning of this assembly, we're going to have a preview. Our kids are going to come up and they're going to share one of the songs they've been working on with you to give you just a taste of how awesome that's going to be a week from Wednesday night on December 18th. So Valinda and her volunteers are working very hard. Okay. Okay back to Christmas lights. Jesus as the light of the world. Into this month, Delene and I will have been here four years. I know some of you are thinking, it really seems like 40, Greg. Yeah, I know. But we've been here four years. We've learned a few things about you. Learned a few things about this church. One of the things that I've learned is there's a handful of people here Really love football. I've picked up on that. Now, even if you don't love football, or you're not a big football person, even though you may have nothing to do with it, you probably knew that last weekend was called Rivalry Weekend. And there are some rivalry classics that have been around for a really, really long time. Some of the real biggies, you know, we think of like Ohio State and Michigan, that's a huge one. Auburn-Alabama is a really big rivalry game, Florida-Florida State, but there's this other rivalry that you may not know a lot about. Matter of fact, you may not have even ever seen a game where these teams were featured, and this is a rivalry between Georgia Southern and Georgia State. Now, last weekend, Georgia Southern beat Georgia State pretty badly, about 38 to 10. And so while one of the teams was really celebrating post-game and the the other team was licking its wounds, there was something else that was happening outside the stadium that actually got a little bit more press coverage than the game itself. Because you see, there were two 76-year-olds who were stranded after the game. They had a miscommunication over their ride back to the hotel. This couple... Charles and Barbara Elliott, uh, they just happened to be the parents of Georgia State's head coach, Sean Elliott. And so an ESPN writer picked up on this story and what happened afterward, Chris Lowe, and he's uh, the senior staff writer at ESPN, He found out that the parents were unable to get their Uber back to their hotel, so they were just kind of standing outside of the stadium trying to figure out what to do when two Georgia Southern students, Kate Uri and Anna Messick, noticed them. We were walking back, and we just saw them standing there, and we asked if they could use some help. Uh, said Yuri, who is a senior from Augusta, and I know how hard it can be to get a Uber in Statesboro after the game. And Messick, a junior from Atlanta, said it was chilly and the parents were all kind of bundled up. She didn't notice until after they'd been talking for a little bit that they had Georgia State clothes on. This is the enemy that we're talking to here, right? She said, we just saw two people who needed help. And what goes through your mind is, you know, we would hope that if somebody saw our parents or our grandparents in a similar situation, that that they would do the same thing. So Yuri had the Lyft app on her phone, and so she was able to secure a ride for Elliot's parents back to their hotel. She rode with them back to their hotel, and her friend followed in her car, picked her up when the Lyft driver dropped them off, and she took her back to campus. It was only through conversation while waiting about 30 minutes for the Lyft driver to arrive that Yuri and Messick discovered that these were um, Georgia State's head coach's parents. And when Coach Elliott heard from his parents later that night about the Good Samaritans, he went on Twitter and he asked for help. He wanted to find these two young ladies so that he could thank them and the coach said it was late and my parents were having a hard time figuring out what to do and I'd given them my my Uber account but they couldn't get one and there weren't any taxi services available either and thank goodness that these young ladies came to their rescue said coach Elliot he was able to connect with Yuri via social media and said he put a little something in the mail for both of them for the holidays and this is what he said listen for somebody to go out of their way To help someone is always amazing. These young ladies spent probably an hour with my parents, just making sure they were safe. And here's how he closed his comments. He said, good people still do good things. This is a really feel-good story. I read this story and I look at it and, you know, my first response is, oh, that's really sweet. It is a cool story. But, but then when I get a little bit of distance and I get a little bit of space, I kind of find this a little bit fascinating. And I want to just pose a question this morning. Isn't it, isn't it interesting that we live in a world where a story like this gets the attention of ESPN? And I ask that question because I see Christians... I see followers of Jesus Christ doing these same kinds of things almost every single day. Now, I'm I'm not diminishing what these young ladies did. As a matter of fact, I wish we would see more acts of kindness like this. But here's the fact that I want us to understand. A story like this causes people in secular contexts to just pause and reflect for a second on what matters most as a matter of fact the coach's hashtag in his twitter post was more than a game but i hope what happens as we hear this story is it encourages us as followers of jesus to keep on loving our neighbors because the darker the darker things get i don't know about you but it seems like from where i'm standing things are getting pretty dark The darker things get, the brighter our lights shine. I love this last quote in that story when Coach Elliott noted, good people still do good things. And for our application as a community of faith, for those of us who live our lives for Jesus, for those of us who see people stranded in all kinds of confusing situations, for those of us who so long to help others find hope and live with purpose, I would just nudge that phrase ever so slightly. And in our context, I would say that God's people still do God things. And where does this come from? What, what drives us to be about something greater than ourselves? What pushes us to do without so that others may have? What encourages us to be more about love than we are about hate? Who gives us strength to push on when we're worn out? Where does our help come from when we're weary and we're worn out and we're gasping for breath as the enemy just hits us again and again and again? Who, who shines a light to guide our steps when darkness closes in well i believe the answer to all of these questions can be found in john chapter one and i ask you to take your bibles if you will and follow along with me there or if you would like you can draw your attention to the video screen as we read aloud this morning john one verses one through nine in the beginning was the word And the word was God, and the word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. The light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives to everyone was coming into the world. And I just want to pause here for a moment as we reflect on that reading, and I want to make an observation. If I were the greatest preacher on the planet, and I am not even close, but if I were, if I were the greatest preacher on the planet, I could not do justice to this text. Because these are some of the most important and powerful words penned in the history of the world. I love what William Erdman says. He says, on the profundity of John, its stories are so simple that even a child will love them, but its statements are so profound that no philosopher can fathom them. And I believe that to be true. This is a passage about a great many things. But first and foremost, it is a passage about Jesus. Jesus, who is described by John in verse 3 as the light of all humankind. And why is it important that we understand the purpose of Jesus as this source of life? Because Jesus, as the light of all humankind, reveals to us how much God loves us. And church, how we need to be reminded of God's love again and again and again. Because even as this light reveals how much God loves us, it also reveals the nature of humanity. Light language is used, but also darkness language is used. And it helps us understand we need the Lord. We need Jesus. We don't have time this morning to cover all of these verses. I could preach 50 sermons on this one text and still not be able to grasp all there is to understand in this passage but since this series is called christmas lights i want to focus on a handful of verses this morning that that point to light and i want to encourage you to keep attending small groups and bible classes to to dive deeper into this text and so many others that draw us closer to the lord and one another let's go back to the passage john chapter one let's start in verse three Through him, all things were made. Through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. John says here, through Jesus, all things were made. He does not say, by him, all things were made. This is important distinction. Because Father God is the source of all that is. There are four Hebrew letters that are used in the ancient text, Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh. We get our word Yahweh from this grouping of letters translated in some of our older Bibles as Jehovah, a word that means the one who causes things to be. Father God is the source of all that is, but the point here is that everything owes its existence to Father God, and hear this, through Jesus. Without Jesus, there is nothing. Without Jesus, there is no light. Now why is this important? Why do we need to understand this? Because in the beginning, God, through Christ Jesus reveals himself to the world as creator. And the Father's work was, and it is, and it always will be through Jesus. If we say no to Jesus, who is eternal, and I want you to notice this, the text says that he was in the beginning. Not he was created In the beginning, Jesus has always been. He is eternal. If we say no to who Jesus is, we say no to eternal life with Him. And I want you to notice the power of that word life. It is the crowning element in all of God's creation. And and it's only available in life after death terms for those who give their hearts fully to Him. Now John explains, he says in verse 4, in him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all humankind. And we could use present tense verbs and future tense verbs here without compromising the text at all. In Jesus is life. And that life is the light of all mankind. There are a couple of things here that just leap off the, the pages of Scripture as we read them. I, I think the author just begs us to, to drink deeply of this teaching and to own it deep in our hearts. First of all, he knows that there is life in Jesus. And that life in Jesus is light for all humanity. This is not some passive light source that momentarily grabs our attention like a like a firework in the sky that, that dissipates based on the whims of the wind. This is light as an action verb. This is Jesus choosing to be used by the Father to reveal the character of the Father. This is light breaking into a world of darkness so that we might have life. John says the light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Do you see that? More importantly, do you believe it? This, this light pierces the darkness. And it leaves the darkness powerless in its wake. This is the light that, that burns away the, the sin of the world, the, the, the grip of sin on us. It, it, it takes the, the pain and the hurt away and it offers healing and hope and renewal for all who will turn their face to it which, by the way, is the very definition of worship, to turn our face toward God. You may be thinking, but Greg, you don't know my story. You have no idea where I've been. You don't know the horrible choices that I've made. You don't know the horrible choices that I am making, how much pain I've caused, how much heartache I've caused other people. I want to ask you this morning, if that's the narrative that runs around in your head, how worthless you are, how disappointing you are to God and others, and how unredeemable you are, if that's the narrative that runs in your head, I'm begging you this morning, stop saying that kind of stuff to yourself. Stop saying that kind of stuff to others. And instead of of using your energies to constantly put yourself down, just turn your face toward God. Turn your face toward God. The answers may not come immediately, but I believe with all of my heart that they will come. A better path, I believe, will open up. Again, it may not happen instantly, but I believe it will happen. Why? Because this is, this is not just some message that offers hope. This is about the message who is our only hope and his name is Jesus and he is light and no matter the depths of your darkness there is no part of you where his light cannot shine and transform. I love how Anne Voskamp provides insight here when she writes this Christmas story It begins in the beginning. This love story that's been coming for you since the beginning, no matter your story before, this is your beginning now. You were formed by love for love. So what is our responsibility, church? As people who have... Bought the lies of the evil one and and been put down and we've got an opportunity to to interact with them to to be light to offer a different message what's our responsibility those of us who have given our hearts fully to jesus what are we to do when we encounter the charles and barbara elliott's of the world spiritually speaking i'm not talking about those who can't find an uber i'm talking about those who cannot find their way spiritually speaking those who so long for direction, for hope, for purpose, how are we to respond when we see people who are just feeling their way around in the dark and and tripping over those things and stumbling over those things that, that just add another layer of darkness? How are we to respond? Well, Scripture provides at least one example of how we as Christians are to be light to the world John chapter 1 and verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So what is our job? What's our role? What's our responsibility? It's the same as John's. We're here to be a witness to the light. I almost think about it. We're like the pre-lit Christmas trees of the world, spiritually speaking, okay? We're plugged into this. Once we're plugged into the power source, we just can't help but light up. John did the same thing. Of all the things that could have been said about John the Baptist, and there was much. That could have been said. The other gospel writers focused on a lot more about his story. But John, this author, chooses to focus immediately on one key word, witness. And this theme is repeated many times throughout John's gospel to those who would testify to the truth of Jesus. Think about it. If you or I were called to the witness stand, what would we say About Jesus but we know what John said we know what he did he said and did those things that led people to a point of decision I will walk in light or I will remain in darkness when people saw how he lived when they heard how he talked when they saw how he responded to Jesus just prior to Jesus's baptism when they saw how he never changed his convictions Even when facing his own death, people knew. They may not have known a lot about John, but they knew one thing. He believed with all of his heart that Jesus Christ was the Savior of the world. So what about us? What do people say about us when they hear our witness? To what are we giving testimony? What do people say about us when they see our testimony? How do they see people, uh, how do people see us living our lives? I can tell you how God wants us to live it. He wants us to live it in light. In John 1, 9, the text says, the true light that gives light to everyone, and this is Jesus. Jesus was coming into the world. This theme of light permeates scripture. As Zach so beautifully preached last week from Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, God said, let there be light. The psalmist notes in Psalm 36 9, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Jesus himself in his own ministry and speaking of himself, would say in John eight twelve, "I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life." In twelve forty six, he says, "I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness." So, in this Christmas season, when you're driving through the park, You're going to look at the lights. When you turn the lights on on your Christmas tree or the lights on on your house or wherever we go, whenever we think about Christmas lights, I want to encourage you, church, to pause and think about this text. And I want to encourage you to think first about the most important light of all. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But in Matthew 5.14, in the Sermon on the Mount, there is this twist. He says, you are the light of the world. He's talking to his disciples. You're shining so brightly that you are like a city on top of a hill, one that can't be hidden. As we think about all of these texts this morning that we've shared, and we've seen this theme of light moving in and out since the very, very foundation of the world, I'm reminded of this wonderful text in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. And what is our calling? I believe we are to be light bringers. And so, church, here's my challenge to you bring the light. Bring the light when you see people who are stranded and can't find their way, bring the light. It doesn't have to be something that is newsworthy or or noteworthy. This past Friday, I went to the the dock because of this gunk going on in my head and and I you know I don't like being sick. Anybody in the room just thinking, "Oh boy, I just love being sick. You know, we don't like to be sick, right. It's a hassle. It's an inconvenience. We go to the doc. Well, what I didn't realize was that when I got to the to the doctor, that half of Brazos County was also sick. And I'm making my way into this human petri dish right here in the middle of the the doctor's office. And there's hacking, and there's coughing. And so I sit down and I and I look at the board, and I am number thirty seven on the waiting list. Okay. Now, I knew that it was probably going to be this way, so I was smart enough to take my, my computer in with me, and I'm sitting there doing my work, and, and I hear this one gentleman coughing so badly. So If there had been a seismic monitor there, I'm promising you it would register. I'm not making this up. He was coughing his head off. So I began to pray for that man. God showed up in a really intriguing way. There was another woman who was sitting close to him who pulled out a lozenge from her purse and threw it at him. I'm not making that up. So when, sometimes when we're going to be light bringers, we don't know how God's going to bring that light, right? That's up to God to decide how he's going to be the one that chooses how his light is going to shine. But here I'm sitting and, I, and I'm sick and you know you go to the doctor and I'm thinking, well, this is about me. But what I discovered was that visit wasn't about me at all. I was put in that place for that particular moment in time to pray for people who needed healing, to pray for people who was distressed. A mom brought in her little baby, and as soon as the baby walked in the door, it was about five seconds later that almost everybody in the waiting room turned their attention because you could hear this little boy. You could just hear the raspiness in his voice as a breath came in and as a breath went out. And as the mom made her way over to the seat, I heard her say to someone, oh, he has cystic fibrosis. So they've been put him in the head of the queue and moved him back, and, and and not too long after that the ambulance came in and they took this little child and they loaded him on. And as soon as I heard that raspy breathing, I just started to pray. You see, all good things work together. It's not about being sick, it's not about being well. It's about opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to be a bringer of light. So, church, let's get out there, and let's let our lights shine for Jesus. Amen? Amen. We're going to share a song together this morning, and if there's anything on your heart, if you want to be baptized and let the light of Christ just come over you or your life, whatever's on your heart, there'll be a couple of our shepherds at the back. I'll be down here at the front. Let's, let's stand together. Let's sing praises to our Father.